You're listening to DraftKings Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. So how's it feel? What? To be so close to the site of your shame. Hate that Boston building. Boston girl. Hate that building. Just kidding. Please still let me in. That was an oddball. Welcome to Oddball. The NBA is going crazy. Ahuga. Ahuga. <laughs> Charlotte Wilder, Mino Hassan, we're both in Miami, so you know it's going to be a fun show. Woo. We're going to be going to Celtics Heat tomorrow. We're going to be seeing Terry Rozier make his debut, perhaps. Against but, the Celtics, very fun. But before we get to that, we got to get to the wildest, craziest story of the week. It is Adrian Griffin, head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks, relieved of his duties after a mere 43 games. They had the third best record in the league, Charlotte. They had the same record as the defending champion, Denver Nuggets. And yet the Bucks gave him the old heave-ho. Time to go, Adrian. Yeah, they I gave, hear that's exactly what they said. That's what they said? Yeah, my reporting says they said, Adrian, time to go. Was the guy smoking a cigarette and flipping a coin when he walked up to him with a fedora on and like a pinstripe suit? No, that was his associate. No. He sounded more like, Adrian, thanks for your help, but time to go. Time time to go. His friend had an ascot on. An ascot. You know the yes. male scarf? I know. I know. Sadly, I know very well what an ascot is. Jason Jackson likes to wear them from time to time. Shout out. Shout out to Jason Jackson. Jacks. But that's not the most important thing. The most important thing is this has happened. And a lot of people are saying, whoa, what kind of precedent is this? David Blatt, obviously, a few years ago, had the same situation, kind of roughly. He had coached a year, obviously, and gone to the finals. Starts the second year. They're 13-11. They're the number one seed in the East. They're presumably going to go back to the finals. And he gets fired right there at the 41-game mark. And Ty Lue becomes head coach. In this case, we don't quite yet have a head coach yet. We'll get to that in a second. I know what you guys think of Doc Rivers. We'll get to it in a second. But, Charlotte, let's talk about why Adrian Griffin was let go. Yeah. From what we could see from the outside, there was trouble in paradise. We saw Giannis go off about the defense. He mm -hmm. literally said, we don't, what is our plan? We don't have a scheme. What's our structure? What are we doing here? We remember Bobby great Portis. All great questions. All, all great questions. Remember Bobby Portis, who said yeah. he was like, before Adrian Griffin could tell him what he'd done, he was like, hey man, you need to take accountability yeah. for the part you played in this. Uh, he also, from reports that I've read, um, they also, I mean, anyone who watched the box, you were like, what happened to the defense? Right. What happened to the defense? They went from being a top five defense last year under Budenholzer to 22 
I, and in the uh, league. let me pause you right there because I want to talk about something very specific that people have been bringing up and again and again, right? It's like, oh, of course you lose to uh, Drew Holiday, your defense is going to suffer. Yes, not to that extent. I want to explain something very, very uh, specific about NBA basketball. If you are a great defensive player on the perimeter, particularly at guard, yep. yes, you can make a defense better. Yes, you that is a point of emphasis. But your impact on the rest of the floor, on making everybody else better, is limited. It's limited to, well, I've got the best perimeter guy. You guys don't need to help as much yep. so you guys can focus on doing other things in the back. That's cool and it's positive. It does not lead to a cratering of that size. That's attributed more to like if we lost a big. Because right. a big, by virtue of being under the, in the paint, under the basket, changes the dynamics of how everyone's doing things. Great example of this. Watch Oklahoma City, who are an okay, a good defense last year. This year they're elite. Why? Because Chet Holmgren changes so much. Exactly. Not only that, but also being able to move, yep. being able to switch, all those things. Given that Milwaukee has not one, but two Defensive Player of the Year type players, Brooke Lopez and Giannis Antetokounmpo, that's more than enough with capable defensive players elsewhere. I know Dame's not Drew Holiday, but it's not the sort of thing that creates that kind of drop-off. But as you were, continue. Well, that's a huge part of it. Griffin had them playing up. They weren't protecting the rim the same mm -hmm. way they had been. And Giannis, in, his, in the thing he said a few days ago, he was like, we... Teams can get threes. They can go to the rim. They can basically do whatever they want. And I think that this is, obviously, they have a great record, sure. The, but it, uh, we talked about this a bit on the Levitard show. To me, it feels like they were winning despite Griffin. Mm -hmm. You know, Dame would hit a last-minute three, or Giannis would score 64 points. Uh, the Pacers ate their lunch multiple right. times. They almost lost to the Pistons. It, it, it's, it's like, imagine Usain Bolt running on one leg. Right. And placing third and second in races and like beating Amin Al Hassan, but barely like by a nose. Like you could say, well, right. everything's great. He's winning. He's he's competitive. But we know that if he was running with two legs, he'd be smoking the competition. And, and this team was not running with two legs. And I want to make something very clear. This is not meant to be an appraisal or an assessment of Coach Griffin's coaching acumen. Right. Right. The one, the perhaps the biggest, most important thing a coach can do is have the trust, control, and support and belief of his locker room. Mm -hmm. And if you do not have that, it doesn't matter how great of a coach you can be. You are, right. you could be Red Auerbach, Phil Jackson, Eric Spolstra, Steve Kerr, all rolled into one. If they don't believe in you, if they won't follow you, everything else falls on the wayside. Nobody cares about your X's and O's. Nobody cares about your lineups. Nobody cares about your, your sub-patterns. Nobody cares about how great you are in the community. Nobody yeah. cares about that the front office love you and know you and are best friends with you or not, whatever. Nobody cares about those things if those 17 or so guys in that locker room don't believe in you. And you know why? I, that's exactly it. And it's, all, it's about leadership. It's about providing structure for your team. I'm not in that locker room. I don't know what Adrian Griffin was or was not doing. From what it looks like, uh, there was a lack of cohesion, obviously. But when I think about this on sort of a more broader sports NBA coaching level, people crave boundaries. People crave expectations. If you are not setting the correct expectations for your players, if they don't know exactly what they're supposed to do, if there's conflict about how they're supposed to do it, 
that's going to tear something apart really quickly. And I actually think it was hashtag brave of the Bucks to to fire Griffin when they did because a, a lot of people we talked about being embarrassed yesterday. Yeah. A lot of teams, a lot of front offices wouldn't want to be embarrassed by hey, we hired this guy forty three games ago and now we're getting rid of him, but. That's exactly what I think they had to do once they realized that this thing was lost. But here's the thing. Because he's a new hire and because he represents something different than what preceded him, you say you got to give him a chance. Yep. You got to give him a chance. You can't, you can't like tell him what to do. You got to give him a chance to do what he does, right? Do you, do you think the Bucks knew at training camp? I think the moment him and Terry Stotts got an argument, and this isn't meant to be a big defense of Terry Stotts, but just the idea that you are not even through camp and your lead associate head coach and you are bickering on that level in front of everybody. This isn't behind closed doors. Hey, Terry, I need you to do this. Or, hey, Adrian, I feel more comfortable if I do this. It wasn't that. They were doing this in front of the team. And yeah. that's a big no-no. That's like when your parents, you don't argue in front of your kids, Right. You might say, we'll talk about it later, and then <laughs> right. you talk about it later. But you don't argue with the kids because it fractures their trust and you know what you're doing. You couldn't even get along with your own associate head coach. How am I supposed to believe that you know what you're doing? But I digress. We move on to perhaps whose replacement's going to be, right? So last night on Inside the NBA, Adam Lefko uh, passed along a report by CNN that said that Doc Rivers is indeed going to be the next head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks. Chris Haynes, a bleacher report in TNT, kind of said, well, not yet, quite yet. They're still talking. Shams, all the other newsbreakers that we know of have kind of, well, it's not quite there yet. But this anonymous CNN report, because they didn't tell us who at CNN that's did That's one this. of the weirder things that's happened in a while. I was like, wait, what? Who hit? I have, I have Wolf Blitzer being the guy. He's a huge Wizards Wait, fan. Wait, really? Wolf Blitzer is a huge Wizards fan, right? He's a huge NBA fan. I, I think probably either him or my guy Boris Sanchez, those are the two biggest NBA you think, fans You think CNN. someone called him up and was like, hey, you want a scoop? And they were like, sure, if we don't put I, my know, name on it? I'll say I think it's Wolf because if it was Boris, he would have hit me up. That's right. That's a name <laughs> drop that I just had right there. Okay, Louis. Shout out to Boris. Okay, but Louis. Here's the, the, the deal. A lot of people are saying, wait a second, Doc Rivers, didn't we just get done doing this kind of shame parade on him and how awful he is as a coach? First of all, he's not awful as a coach, right? In order to get to Game 7s, you have to be good enough to blow the— In order to blow the Game 7s, you have to be good enough to get to Game 7s. In order to blow 3-1 leads, you have to be good enough to get a 3-1 lead, right? Did he do that three times? Yes, he's done okay. that more than anyone in the history of the game. Yeah. Not a great thing to have on your resume, but I, I, I always emphasize, you have to be good enough to fail like that. Yeah. Because a lot of people don't even get to that That's point. a great point. <laughs> Doc's won a lot of games in a lot of, with a lot of different teams. What Doc Rivers, in general, brings to the situation is he walks in, and I've seen this with so many veteran head coaches. They walk in, they know exactly what they want to do. Mm -hmm. We're going to run this, this, this. We're calling this play this. We're going to defend like this. On the sideline, we're pushing them this way. On, on high, we're showing what, like whatever it is. They have very clear ideas of what they want to do and what their terminology is. Yep. And they're what they want everyone's role to be. And in situations like this where players feel lost and rudderless, Someone coming in saying with structure, and like, I have an idea, I have a plan, I have a plan. People gravitate towards yep. that. So Doc comes in with that. Doc comes in with credibility. Shaq talked about this last night on TNT. 
because Doc has been to the promised land, there is a feeling of, well, I'm going to give him the time of day if I'm not quite sure about a certain thing. Mm-hmm. Adrian Griffin, first time head coach, if I'm not sure about this, I'm like, dude, I don't know. Like, when have you ever tried this before? Right. You're spitballing just like the rest of us. Right. Whereas with Doc, there is an element, well, he's been around. And he was advising Adrian Griffin. That's the third part, right? Which is interesting. So, reports are... At the in-season, after the in-season tournament, after they lost the Pacers in the semifinal, Doc Rivers was brought in to advise Adrian Griffin, presumably in that kind of role, maybe not full-time like Terry Stotts yeah. was going to be, but we talk about this all the time. First-time head coaches typically have an associate head coach who's been a guy who's been a head coach somewhere else mm-hmm. to show him the ropes and help them along. When Steve Kerr was the head coach of the Warriors for the first time, his associate head coach was Alvin Gentry, a guy who had been a head coach in Phoenix and in Miami and New Orleans and Detroit and so there's and the Clippers. So there's a feeling that Alvin could help Steve with some of the idiosyncrasies that maybe might be escaping a new first-time head coach. And over time, you know, you figure it out. You figure out your voice as they speak, as they say. So Doc was brought in to do that. Somewhere along the lines... The the thinking in Milwaukee has become, I don't like. I don't think Adrian's getting it done. He lost the locker room. We got to get rid of him. Who do you like? Kind of like Doc. Oh, well, he's been. He's had some good ideas. It wouldn't be the first time in the NBA where people who are tasked with helping a situation end up saying, "You know what? I got the perfect solution." Me. <laughs> All right, uh, longtime viewers of Oddball, which can't be that long because we're less than a year old, but will know that I often kid around with Charlotte and I say, Charlotte, you're like a Marcus Smart acquisition away from becoming a Heat fan. We're not quite there yet, but we're getting a lot closer. For the record, before you continue, this did not do it. I am a Celtics fan forever. It's you can continue. Shaky, it's a little shaky. It's not. She, she's it's wavering. Not. She's wavering. It's I'm not. gonna see I'm gonna see it on Thursday. She's gonna be there, she's gonna be rooting for her Celtics, and then like scary Terry's gonna do something, and she's gonna be like, Oh, I missed it. I that. remember the t-shirts. Oh man, there it is. So Terry Rozier of the Charlotte Hornets gets traded to Miami for Kyle Lowry and a conditional first round pick. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of nerddom around the conditions on that pick because it's it's specifically worded in a way that they will they will not be prohibited from training their 2030 first round pick. But I digress. Again, math. My brain is deep, a marching yeah. band starts playing in my head yeah, when we get to the conditions. Too deep picks. in the weeds. We don't need to talk about. All we need to talk about is Terry Rozier coming to Miami, having a chance to win for the first time, basically since he left Boston. Yep. Returning what I would think is a bigger role than he had in Boston, mm-hmm. but not quite as big a role as he had in Charlotte. No, in Charlotte, he got to be the guy. He got yep. to he got to ball out and take responsibility. And shoot shot, shoot a lot of shots and yeah. have high usage rates. And now he gets to play for a team that has a chance to win. Yep. So, seems like a seems like a better situation. I would rather be a smaller role on a team that could win than a big well, role on a team that's not winning. So this is the interesting thing. So a lot of people are like, oh, no way. I want to be the man or whatever. But like, once you have a taste of that, you've had it, you know what it feels like, and you realize, dude, it doesn't matter how good I play, I'm not good enough to make a bad team good. Right. It's easier in that moment to then take a step back and go back to being Someone who fits in a role. Which which comes back to what we were talking about with the whole Buck situation, which is knowing your role yep. and being cool with it because if you do your role correctly, 
Your team can win. Absolutely. And I think Terry Rozier has a great chance to be that for the Miami Heat. A lot of people talk about his offense. The Heat offense has needed a lot of help. They've been struggling, particularly with a lot of injuries. But even when those guys are healthy, if you look at it, they're still a middling offense, particularly in the half court. But I think defensively, he represents a massive upgrade over Kyle Lowry. He's a guy that can guard on ball, and that's incredibly important given that Tyler Hero is not a great defensive player, right? And Kyle Lowry, although he has his moments, particularly in taking charges, other than that, he's not a great defensive player either. So the Heat struggled to start those two guys. They ended up benching Lowry, bringing him off the bench, starting uh, a bigger lineup around Hero. I think this gives them another really good ball handler, really good playmaker out of pick and roll, and a good three-point shooter, but more importantly, gives them someone who can guard on ball. How much of a difference in terms of where the Heat, what do you think the Heat's ceiling was before this deal, and what do you think it is now? I mean, I I think we've learned that their ceiling is... The roof? The roof, yeah. Shout out to Michael Michael Jordan. Jordan. Yeah. So it's hard... To say, I know that today I feel a lot better about them than I did 24 hours ago with this acquisition. I think they're a lot better. They're they're better positioned to compete against a Milwaukee if they get their stuff together, a Philadelphia, a Boston. Like you think about all those teams, there's someone that Terry Rozier can be an irritant to. The Knicks, who have also gotten better. The Pacers, who have also gotten better. The Eastern Conference is very interesting right now. It's fun. And so having a guy who can guard on ball against these pesky guards, the Halliburtons, the Maxis, right, the the Damian Lillards, that's going to help them tremendously. On the other side of the ledger, Charlotte. Yes. The fire. No. There she is. The Hornets fire sale has begun, yep. and they've got vets that other teams clearly want. they got Kyle Lowry, who they're going to attempt to flip again before yep. the deadline. We if see they, a lot of that this year. Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, these bad teams don't need these guys. Right, right, right. They just need something that they can turn into more assets because they'll gladly take picks and young players for that in a way that Miami did not want to do that for Kyle Lowry. They wanted someone who could come in and contribute immediately. So, But Charlotte with the, excuse me, the Hornets, the Wilders is what I was going to call them. <laughs> The Hornets, yeah, the Hornets with new ownership, remember, Michael Jordan is no yep. longer the, the main owner of the team. They're, they're starting that reset, and they're starting to see, okay, what can we move around here as we build around Brandon Miller and LaMelo Ball? Shout out to the GameStop guy. Also, would you say— Did you watch the movie Dumb Money? No, not yet. It's all right. That's why I haven't watched it yet. Yeah. Would you say, I mean, that the, the heat got scare, scarier with ter- got terrier and scarier? Word count is next. Have you ever wondered if Chet Holmgren might be a descendant of Abraham Lincoln? Or if a UFC fighter could beat an alien in a fight? You might have not, and that's okay. But Shea Serrano and Jason Concepcion from the Six Trophies podcast have. If you love basketball and, more importantly, if you love fun— You've got to listen to Six Trophies, where Shay and Jason serve up the biggest moments from around the NBA with their brand of unbridled joy, banter, and pop culture side quests. Each week, they hand out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Stuff like the Denzel Washington in Training Day trophy, given out to the player or team having the best week around the NBA. 
or the Lauren Hill you might win some dot dot dot, but you just lost one trophy for the team or player that just can't get it together. Plus a bunch more trophies for all the good, bad, or just plain head scratching moments around the NBA. This playoff season, you'll want to make six trophies your go-to companion podcast. Follow six trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Wednesday, Charlotte, get them paws up. It's word count. That's right. It's the game where we're asked questions. We have to answer them in 10 words or less. And Charlotte, how do we show the people that we've hit our 10-word quota? We count on our digits. There we go. That's easy. Well, sometimes. Sometimes. I have had a really bad run the last couple of weeks. Going yeah, you've over, been going over. Flawless for months. I've been Slipping. going over. So, yeah. All right. I redemption. Need, this is redemption. I need to bounce back. But this is how I'm going to shake things up. Because, okay. you know, teams shake things up sometimes by firing coaches, sometimes by yep. trading players. Yep. I'm going to shake things up by switching up the batting order here. Okay. Yeah. So, so do you want me to read to you first? You're going <gasps> to read to me first. Wow. I will okay, the first okay, question. okay. I mean, your yes. first question. Monday night's Charlotte Hornets-Minnesota Timberwolves game featured 10 incorrect calls over the last two minutes, according to the NBA's L2M report published last night. Come up with an excuse for the refs. Hey, this job is really, really hard. You try it. (laughs) Good one. Okay. Right, that's 10, right? Yeah, I mean, look, that particularly the, the, the play that's on everyone's mind is that last play of Carl Anthony Towns driving and getting shellacked by three different people and no call being made on that play. Now, many would argue that the Timberwolves lost the game on their own accord. If you listen to their post-game press conference, Chris Finch did not talk about officiating at all. He talked about his team not having the right mentality and not having the right maturity. But... Be that as it may, you cannot ignore the refs screwed that one up tremendously. Egregiously, yes. Egregiously. It also reminds me that last night, Portland was in a situation against Oklahoma City where they had the ball, and Chauncey Billups is calling timeout, and the ref is not paying attention to him. And so they end up turning over. Malcolm Brogdon turns over the ball, and the Blazers afterward, it was reported they're going to request a complaint. Yeah. So, Charlotte, here's the fun part. Yeah. People are like, oh, what does that ever do? It's happened before. In 2008, the Miami Heat and the Atlanta Hawks played in a game in which Shaquille O'Neal got his sixth foul and had to come out the game with 51.9 seconds remaining. Upon further review after the game, the, the Heat ended up losing in overtime to the Hawks. But on further review, it comes up that, wait a second, that wasn't his sixth foul, it was his fifth foul. Ah. So the Heat lodge a complaint, the league approves the complaint, and decrees that they have to replay the last 51.9 seconds of that game. Because that's the moment where the incorrect thing happened, which was Shaquille O'Neal getting a sixth foul, which he did not have. So did they fly to each other to play that again? The next time they played oh. in March, I think the, the game happened in December. The next time they played was in March. They first started with playing the 51.9 seconds. Awesome. And then started the second game after that. And th- But I want to point out, I'm not saying that this is going to happen for Portland, that they're going to be awarded that timeout and replay. But I'm saying it does happen. It is incredibly rare. Because that one that in 2008, that's the last time I believe that happened. Before that, it hadn't happened since 1982. So we're talking about every 25 years or so. So we're not quite due for one. We're not quite due for one. If my math is correct, but maybe it'll happen. Charlotte. Yes. Your question. Marcin Gortat, the Mm -hmm. Polish hammer, 
told Hoops Hype, I mean, you know, when people box out, they'll try to grab your balls and squeeze. I swear to God, they do some crazy stuff. He also names Chris Paul by name Ooh. as someone who does some of the testicular I, play. for one, am shocked. Yeah, who knew? What crazy tactics would be your go-to move if you were a big man in the NBA, Charlotte? I would be so obnoxious, I'd make bad jokes constantly. Wow, I like this. I would, I would, but I would, first of all, I would grab jerseys too, and I would just like be pesky and like squeeze the, like the sides, which is the worst place to be squeezed. Yeah, like tickle them a little bit. I'd tickle them a little. Goose someone. Yeah, ooh, ooh. It would be awful. And then I would just be, I would just be like, like dad jokes, puns that weren't even good. Like to the point, I would have to memorize a lot of them. Where people would just be like, I can't, I can't be next to her anymore. You'd be I can't in the be next to her. Room reading dad joke books and stuff. It would probably work. So, what? Someone who kind of did some of this stuff was Dennis Rodman. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite things is Dennis Rodman. Whenever he would play against Alonzo Mourning, Alonzo Mourning was a very intense guy. Dennis would do things like if they're lining up at the free throw line, and let's say this is Mourning, mm-hmm. and Dennis is over here, and that's the basket. This is the lane. The free throw shooters over here. Dennis would line up like this. And just yes. just space, just space, Alonzo, Who, and like yes, and or or he would like put his hand on his thigh, and then like Alonzo would slap his hand, and then he just gently put it back there. Yeah, like a cheek caress. Yeah, like, Who was it? Who blew in uh, LeBron's ear? Lance Stevenson. Yeah, Lance, Lance Stevenson. Lance Stevenson blowing in the so ear. So good. It's all so good. It's like heckling. You can't yeah. actually say. You can't swear or be vote. You yeah. have to be creative. You, you have to work like, in the grills. Oh. There's Charlotte Wilder. So good. Okay, I mean. All right. Uh, USA Basketball named forty a forty-one player pool for the Olympic men's Jeez, team. That's a lot of names. I know. It's selected by Grant Hill, a national team managing director. Hill. Uh, LeBron James, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, Joel Embiid. Um, besides those names, mm-hmm. what would your next top three choices be to be included in the twelve-man team from this pool? Ooh, okay. This is where I would go. Uh, I'm always a believer in the next. The next being a part of the current. Mm-hmm. So Paolo Banquero is my oh, okay. next there. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton, you know, I have a great Fonda. admiration and mm-hmm. fondness for him. That's two. And the third, I guess I would go with Jimmy Butler because I think his ability to play multiple positions, can play up, play down, he's strong. He gets to the free throw line. He's physical, and mm-hmm. international plays a lot more physical. Mm-hmm. I think I would go with him. So yeah, Butler, Bancaro, and Halliburton would be my three. But like you, you can't know, you can't go wrong with a lot of these names. Bam is a great name there. Uh, Desmond Bain is a great name. Anthony Edwards is an amazing name. Right. You know, so you know. I might toss Chet in. Holbrun. I might toss in a Derek White or Jalen Brunson for a little like. Yeah, yeah, I guess. I feel like they'd care a lot. I think Tyrese Halliburton cares. Oh, not over Tyree. Oh, okay. There you go. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, Charlotte, last one for you. So, this news kind of got buried mm-hmm. happily, I guess, for yeah. this guy. Tristan Thompson suspended for 25 games for violating the league's anti-drug policy. He trusted positive for ibutamorin, which is a growth hormone, and SARM-LGD-4033, commonly used by bodybuilders and weightlifters for muscle enhancement, which is funny because Tristan barely plays. He's averaging 3.8 points and 3.9 rebounds in 12 minutes. Awesome. The question from our producers was like, how does Tristan Thompson, like, why is he even on a team mm-hmm. with those kind of numbers? And I said, because he's a great guy. He's a great locker room guy. So Charlotte, the question for you is, 
How good of a locker room guy would you be if you were in the NBA? Again, incredible. Two things I'd excel at. Locker room heckling. Locker room and comma heckling. Oh, So you're bringing in your, your answer from the first question. Yeah, because look, I'd be great at heckling. I yeah. would do a lot for my team in that regard. They'd be very grateful to me for being like, wow, Charlotte's really being a pest. Right. And she doesn't really care if she's seen as like the greatest hooper. Yeah, there uh, it is. But That's she's, what it looks like. She knows her role. She knows her role. Also, I would be great in a locker room. I, I, would, get, I would get everybody around me. I'd be like, you guys, we got to shape up. We got to do this. Love you. You're doing amazing. I would be positive and hold them accountable. Yeah, I think you would be a great positive force in the locker room. Thank you. I can say that. Like, I, I could I could last 25 years in the NBA. Yeah. <laughs> for only for that damn basketball part. You know, dust is still in the air from you hitting that pillow. Sorry, bye. <laughs> what? <laughs> Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.